I just got so thrown off right there. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord, church. Can we just give him some thanks and praise all over this house one more time tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. In the valley, he's still God. On the mountain, he's still God. When you don't agree with his ways, he's still God, and we ought to praise him right now tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I give honor to our pastor, even though he makes me nervous sometimes. <laughs> I give honor to him and to his wife, and I give honor to my wife. Uh, we, we've been going through some struggles, just general life stuff, but uh, the Lord provided me with the perfect person to go through life with, so I couldn't be more thankful. And as I struggled to, to come up with a message for you tonight, she said, I'll help you come up with something. And I said, oh, good, so you can tag team preach with me. And she said, yeah, I'll help you come up with something, but you can preach it. And I said, okay. But the Lord did give me a word for his people tonight. And I just have to say, I'm so thankful to see all of you here tonight. God is honored by your faithfulness. You know, there's people who come on Sundays because of the worship and of the preaching. And there's those that don't come on Tuesdays because of the worship and the preaching. And, you know, the worship team does one song and it's just a Bible study with a young minister. I can wait until Sunday. But let me tell you, those people are missing a chance to change their lives. It doesn't matter what song is being played on the piano. It doesn't matter what song our singers open their mouths and sing. Whatever they do, they usher in the presence of the Lord. When our ministry team is up here preaching, it doesn't matter if they've been preaching for two months or 20 years. The Lord's message will get to his people. And I know Pastor John loves the story when I tell it, but the Lord brought a boy who went to Catholic school all the way through his senior year of high school to a Tuesday night service at Breaking Bread Apostolic Church. And that Catholic school boy is now bringing you the word of God at this pulpit at Breaking Bread Apostolic Church. You can't tell me that Tuesday nights aren't important. Is anyone in this house ready to hear from the Lord tonight? Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Romans. We're going to start in the book of Romans. I have two short passages of scripture for you. The book of Romans chapter 14, and we're going to read verse 8. Romans chapter 14 and verse 8. The Bible says, for whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Everybody say, we live. If you are here today and you are breathing, you're alive. You live unto the Lord. Every breath that you breathe, every situation that you go through, you are living unto the Lord. No matter what junk you brought into the house tonight, if you are alive, you are the Lord's. 
no matter whether you're on the brink of giving up and wanting to die, guess what? You are still the Lord's. There's no situation that you can go through in your life that's so bad and so dark that you are not his. If you move back over a little bit with me to the book of John, the book of John chapter 14, one passage of scripture, a very familiar passage of scripture, John chapter 14 and verse six. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus says, I am the way. He took all the mystery out of wondering what you need to do or who you need to turn to. He settles the issue with this one statement, and they hated him for it. And people will hate you for it. Because in this conversation they're having, Jesus says, hold on. It really doesn't matter because I am the way. And he takes it a step further. And he says, I am the truth. When you're wondering what truth is, he says, don't worry about it. I am the truth. And then he settles it by saying this, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So for a few moments tonight, church, I'd like to preach to you on this topic. Do or die. There's no in between. Do or die. There's no in between. It's either do or die. He left us with no other option. Lay your Bibles down in your seats and let's give the Lord some praise tonight as we pray. Father, we thank you, God, for being the way, for being the truth, for being the light, that we don't have to worry about it, God. You went before us and you are guiding us, God. I pray tonight, Lord, as someone came into this house with a situation, Lord, that they may open their hearts and minds to hear this message today and know that they can look toward you to be their life. God, we love you today. We thank you for your presence. We magnify your name. And in your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated and the musicians may go down. On August 5th, 2010, in Mina, San Jose, Chile, mining tunnels collapsed. 2,300 feet underground, three miles from the nearest entrance, 33 miners, who were later known as the 33, were trapped for 69 days. 17 of these days were without communication. People were boring holes with probes, drilling down through the surface, found their way through the rubble, and were able to hear the voices of those screaming out for hope. They were able to capture them with their chiseling tools and breaking pieces here and breaking pieces there. So on August 22nd, one of those probes detected tapping on its return to the surface. And a note was attached to it which read, all 33 of us are all right in the shelter. And from that moment, a rescue plan was put into place knowing the location 
of the survivors. Emergency personnel were able to send down food. They were able to send down water. And most importantly, they were able to send down hope. In the darkness and the high heat, severe humidity settling in, the area where 33 were found in the shelter as fungal infections and respiratory problems begin to show effect. They found the light of hope. A burning hope building up inside of them that said, no matter what's happening right now, I can't give up. No matter how dark the cave may be, I can't give up. I'm not going to quit. And as rescuers on the surface are drilling their way down to the shelter, the 33 trapped miners split into three groups, and they worked eight-hour shifts to remove debris that was caused by the drilling of their comrades on the other side. They were moving it and shoving it to different areas. They were preparing for their own rescue. And hope in the midst of fear, hope when it consumed worry. Some thought they would never see their families. One miner was quoted as saying, I thought I would never see my unborn grandchild. But late on the night of October 12th, Tomorrow, an anniversary, October 12th, a rescue worker was lowered into the mine inside of a capsule. And just after midnight, the first of the 33 were brought to the surface. And by evening, the last man, a shift manager, the one who was in charge of taking care of everybody underground, who had organized them during this time, had been rescued. An accident that had probable tragedy. Many lives could have been lost, and even more lives could have been dramatically affected in the years to come. But it turned out to be a message of hope. Can I remind you tonight, church, that Jesus Christ is still our hope today? That no matter how dark the day may seem, that no matter how bad the situation may feel, you may feel like there's no way out, but Jesus is still our hope. Hope even when we live in a world that fights to redefine murder as convenience, when immorality tries to disguise itself as lawful marriage, when cancel culture and wokeism creep into the church, we can stand back and look at the glory of God and say, no matter what's happening in my home, no matter what's happening in my body, no matter what's happening in my family, there is still hope today. I wonder if there's anyone in this house who would stand and say, Lord, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what comes up tomorrow, you are still my hope. Jesus is our only hope. There is no in-between. It's either do this thing or die. There is no other hope but Jesus Christ. And I want to tell somebody tonight, hold on just a little longer. Hold on just a little longer. But, but Brother Chris, we, we've been preached to for years to, to hold on. We've been taught and we've been preached that hope is just around the corner. 
but I wish we could get to a place as a church where we stop focusing on our confined time, trust me, I'm there too, and try to take a look on how God views things. Hold on just a little longer. And I'm going to tell on myself here, if you, if you don't know, now's the time to make fun of me, uh, but, but I'm actually a WWE fan. I'm a, I'm a wrestling fan. And not, not as much as I used to be, but, but I do still follow it. And I'll argue with you, it's not fake, it's scripted. Um, just like your favorite TV show, it's scripted. Uh, but, but when I lived in New York, I went to see a, a WWE live event at Madison Square Garden. And I had, I had been to many events at the Garden, and I even knew where the performers entered and exited the arena. Yes, I'm that guy that waited for those people. And when the show had ended, my friends and I waited to see some of our favorite wrestlers. And some of the lesser known ones had come out and they were taking pictures, but but we hadn't seen the ones that we really wanted to see. And it was almost midnight. I was only 18 at the time. The train ride back to Long Island was an hour and a half. So, you know, I had to get going. I had to catch the train back home. So I left while my friends stayed a little while longer. And as I got home and I exited the train walking to my car, I got a call from my friend Dylan, and he said, bro, and I said, bro, and he said, bro, and I said, bro, what, and he said, bro, if you would have just waited five more minutes, you would have met John Cena, and if you don't know who John Cena is, he was one of the most famous wrestlers, and now he's an actor, but um, yeah, so you would have met John Cena. (laughs) <laughs> they, he stopped and he talked to us. You would have met him. I was mad. But I want to tell you tonight, church, if you could just hold on for five more minutes, if you could hold on just a little longer here, you're going to experience things you've been waiting for. Victory is right around the corner, but you got to hold on to truth. You've got to hold on to righteousness. You've got to hold on to holiness because the Lord is just around the corner. Just five more minutes. We've got to do this thing or die. I'm, I'm going to share another story with you that uh, actually only one person on this earth knows, and no, it's not Amber. Um, it's actually my friend Nick back in New York. See, I grew up on Long Island, and in Long Island, we were lucky enough to have beach 10 miles north of us and beach 10 miles south of us, and the place to be in the summer was always Smith Point Beach, and Nick and I thought we were cool um, because he had a 4 by 4 that you could drive on the beach with, Uh, so we would often go hang out there, Um, and and when you grow up around water on a boat or, or swimming in the ocean, you're always taught to wear your life jacket. Well, on this day, I conveniently forgot my life jacket. But one of our favorite things to do was bodyboarding. And if you don't know what that is, uh, you don't use a surfboard or anything like that. You simply catch a wave with your body and swim with it to shore. And on this day, the waves in the Atlantic were, were particularly large, which was awesome. But in the ocean... There's this little thing that you can't see that's not so awesome called a rip current. Anything that gets caught 
in a rip current gets pulled out to sea. So I see this monster wave coming, and I'm so excited to ride this thing. And I swim out to it, and I get into position to ride on it. And as the wave breaks, I come out of the water, and I realize that I could barely see the shore. I could barely see the shore. Now, I grew up on the ocean, and and I learned that if you swim parallel to shore, that you could break out of the current and swim inland. Well, that didn't work. And I treaded water for nine minutes. And I was treading that water all because I forgot my life jacket. Because I took for granted what I knew to be true. Church, there is a truth that we need to understand. There is an absolute truth. And we know it, we see it every day. Ephesians 4 and 5 says, There is one body and one spirit. Even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There really is no other choice. No choice in the sense that there is no option. There is no other way outside of him. We really don't have a choice. There is no in between. But don't be dismayed when you hear that. Jesus said, let your heart not be troubled. Believe in Jesus Christ, for in my Father's house there are many mansions. Jesus had prepared a place for his people, and he will return to pick us up. But when he was talking to the disciples, they're like, well, how do we know? How do, how do we know where the Lord is? And they say, where, where will you go? How can we know, Lord, where you're going to go? The disciples just just didn't have a clue. They didn't know. The disciples were walking and talking with him and watching the miraculous take place. But when it came to Jesus trying to describe what the life after would be like, they lose it. They can't make the connection. They ask him, where could we go if we don't even know where you are? But we can know because I am the way. How can we know truth? He says, don't worry about it. I am the truth. How do we know life? How do we know that living this way, going to church on Sunday and Tuesday, going to prayer meetings and Sunday school outings, how do we know it? Because Jesus settled it. He took the mystery out of all of it, and he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So I'm out here treading water. Uh, Brother Tim, I need you. I asked Brother Tim earlier if if he would help me out with this message. If you can come up here. Where'd he go? Oh, there he is. You're good. And I really just picked you because I wanted to see you put these on. So go ahead and put those on for me. It don't matter if they don't fit. Just pretend. So what I want you to do. We're going to practice this, okay? Is when I say, just keep swimming, you're just going to keep swimming. And you can do it however you want. Backstroke, whatever, doggy paddle. So ready? Let's practice. Just keep swimming. There we go. Keep swimming. All right, perfect. I'm, you stay there. I'm going to go back up here because I'm getting nervous without my notes. <laughs> oh, you're good. It's, it's not hard. It's when I say so. Okay. 
So, you know, in life, we just have to keep swimming. When troubles come and arise, when your kids don't want to serve the Lord, when your spouse is running around doing crazy things, when your body seems to be giving up, sometimes you just got to keep swimming. You got to keep swimming. You're doing great, Tim. Thank you. When it feels like you can't keep going, when you feels like you can't keep your head above water, you just got to keep going. No matter what some of your family members might say to you today, because you came to this church, sometimes you just got to keep swimming because there is an absolute truth. So your family and your friends are going to say things. Your job, your boss, they're going to say some things. There's going to be some things that come up in your home, but you've got to keep swimming. No matter what they say, no matter what happens in my life, no matter if I see it, no matter if I lose my job, I just got to keep swimming. I got to keep my head above water and keep swimming. I got to keep going and rising above my situation and the pain in my heart and the pain in my body. And the question's in my mind. I just got to keep going. Because if you stop, if you pause for just a moment, honey, you're going to die. I was out there for nine minutes. How do you know it was nine minutes? You were in the water. Well, sorry, Amber, but um, I had texted my girlfriend at the time right before going in the water. And when I got back in, I, I looked at my phone, and it had been nine minutes since I'd sent, sent that message. <laughs> and, and, and I was doing some research on this. They say that some professional s- swimmers can't even tread water for ten minutes. And, and look at me. I'm not a professional swimmer. <laughs> so nine minutes, wondering what's going to happen to me and my future. Will I ever see my family or my friends again? I had to keep swimming. I had to keep going. I had to keep fighting, even though my legs were getting numb, even though there's pain in my body. I had to keep swimming. But, Brother Chris, you don't understand what's going on in my life. Well, brother, you don't know what's going on in my life. You don't understand my situation. You don't know the situation. You can't put different levels of situations on what you're going through and what they're going through. Any situation is just as hard as your situation. But I settled that if the Lord doesn't bless me another day, he's still able. If he never touches my body again, he's still able. If he never brings me out of my situation, He's still able. I've got to keep swimming because it's either do this thing or die. There is no in between. Oh, I wish somebody would clap their hands unto the Lord today. Come on today. Reaffirm. Oh, God, I'm going to fight. God, I'm going to keep going. Even though there's struggles in my body, God, I'm going to keep swimming. There is no in-between. I'm going to keep going today, no matter what I feel like. God, I'm going to keep going today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Timmy. You can sit down. You can keep those if you want. I'm never going to use them, so I don't swim anymore. You're good. You know, the Lord, the Lord always knows what he's doing. Pastor John, you, 
you use that scripture verse today, Isaiah 43 and 19. Amber knows I write out my notes. This is the scripture I'm reading right now. So the Lord is great. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Psalms 118, 17, and 18. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. He hath not given me over unto death. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, faith is he that calleth you who also will do it. There's nothing that God can't do. There's no length that he won't go to pull us out. But what if he doesn't? What if you're praying for years? We've seen the Lord do miraculous things in this church, but what if he didn't? What if the last prayer that you prayed is not answered? Have you settled it in your heart and in your mind that no matter what the will of God is, even if it's against my plan and my authority, that you will serve him? Or will you just show up on Sunday for service every week and just pray and lift hands and worship, yet when the rubber meets the road, you're not committed? I say to you tonight, church, settle it in your heart, settle it in your mind, and say, God, no matter where you take me, no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to keep swimming. Oh, hallelujah, let's give him some praise in this house right now, church. I'm going to keep swimming. He will do it according to his will according to his purpose for our lives. And, and you know there's people outside of these walls that don't like us. They tolerate us, but they don't like us. And it's mostly because we pray in Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name. I actually watched a video today where uh, professional athletes were being interviewed, and they would mention Jesus Christ. And magically, there was a technical difficulty, and the interview would go black, and it would just shut off. It's because we don't pray to a he or a her or a they or a them. Come on, somebody. I said it. I said it. We pray in Jesus' name. They don't like us because when they see us, it is a constant reminder that there is only one way. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. They don't like us because we are the people who hold on to truth. We don't change things as life changes, as struggles come, when the waters rise. We don't just start believing this thing and then jump over to that thing. No, we stay in the truth. We hold on to truth. And we say nothing can come against the truth. Nothing can come against the church. No weapon that is formed shall prosper because we are holding on to the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, his will, his desires, his words. And Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This was not inclusion. This was not acceptance of everybody. He was bringing the religious community in that day separation and distinction. That when people see you, they know who you are. 
They know what you believe. I'm so thankful for the women in this church that when they walk into work or when they walk into a store, there's something that they hold on to that no matter what others say, I'm going to hold on to holiness. I'm going to hold on to distinction. I don't have to be included in everybody's idea and concept of how things should be because you got to keep swimming. You got to keep fighting. You got to stay above water. You got to keep swimming. Our world is in a cultural war today. And we need to stand up for what we believe. Now more than ever, our world is crazy. I've been to New York City many times, living in New York. And you'll see everything you can possibly think of seeing in New York City. You'll see a celebrity and a bum on one street corner together. You'll see a real Broadway musical. And then you'll see a person singing musicals to a wall. I'm not kidding. You'll see non-Americans wearing Mickey Mouse costumes trying to make money, and you'll see a naked cowboy. Amber's seen it. She knows. I thought I had seen it all. But one time, I was driving back to Indiana from New York by myself, and I got on the Cross Bronx Expressway. I know we have some truck drivers in here. Has anyone ever been to or heard of the Cross Bronx Expressway? It, it, it's a crazy, crazy expressway in New York. It's nuts. No matter what time of the day, it's always bumper-to-bumper traffic. And I don't mean bumper-to-bumper traffic where you're just inching along. It's bumper-to-bumper traffic going 60 miles an hour, and then the next second it is stopped. There's no, there, it, it's crazy. And, and in the middle of this expressway, picture 465 like this. There are people selling things in the middle of these lanes, of this four-lane on each side highway. There's people selling fruits and selling flowers and selling that bubbly water. And right in the middle of these 18-wheelers flying by, this is the main highway to get to the George Washington Bridge that separates New York and New Jersey. And these people are out there selling stuff. This world is backwards. (laughs) This world is crazy. It's backwards when it comes to the things of the Lord. And if you don't read your word, if you're not studying your word, if you're not on your knees praying during this time, if you're not proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ and saying, no matter what happens in my life, no matter what happens in my home, I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to be there every Sunday. I'm going to be there every Tuesday night. I'm going to be at every prayer meeting. I'm going to be at every fellowship meeting because I want to make it to heaven. There is no in-between. I want to make it. I want to walk through those gates. I want to stand before Jesus as he looks at the book of life and the book of lives, at the things that I have put into it, and as he judges me and says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I want. I want to be saved, and this world will do everything they can to make you feel saved. It'll do everything it can to make you feel like you're saved. But you forgot the most important thing, holding on to what you know is true. Holding on to what you know is right. Because I could tell you the person sitting on either side of you, they're swimming too. They're struggling too. 
I've been looking over recently at the story of Paul and Silas in the jail. And Paul and Silas were not dancing in the prison like dancing with the stars. The Bible says they were in the inner prison. They couldn't even see their hand in front of their face. But they began to sing praises and shout unto the Lord. And this is a great story, but I I looked into it a little deeper and a little further and a little closer. And something jumped out at me. Do you realize that if Paul and Silas did not praise, they didn't swim through their situation, if they didn't just do, if they had not kept swimming through the night, that Philippian jailer and his family would have never been saved. That family would have never been saved. I want to tell someone tonight that the thing you are going through right now may not be just for you. But it may be happening to you so you can get your way through it so that the people you witness to and the people that see you and the people that you come in contact with, a life can be saved. A life can be changed if you just keep swimming. Keep swimming. Stand with me all over this house as I come to the clo- as to a close. So I'm in the ocean, treading water. I wear contact lenses, so as the water's getting in my face, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to see, and, and all I can hear is water around me, splashing water. My eyes are blurry, and that's all I can see. And I'm splashing, and I'm yelling, Nick, Nick, help. And I remember when I was a little kid, I had taken a swim class at the YMCA for a summer. And they teach you that if you ever find yourself in a panic, just to stop for a second and float on your back and try to catch your breath. So I did that. But as soon as I stopped, I began to sink. As soon as I stopped, I began to sink. The moment I was willing to give in, I started to go under. So I took as much of a breath as I could. I took as much time as I could to catch my breath. Five minutes roll by. Six minutes roll by. I can't even feel my legs. And I realize that if I don't get desperate, I'm not going to make it. If I don't make a scene, if I don't make a show in this water, I'm never going to see my family or my friends again. So I did my best to make a noise. I did my best to make a big splash. And I realized the most important thing that I left out. At this time in my life, I had been going to my dad's church, which is a non-denominational Bible church. So I knew Jesus. I knew the Lord. And as I kept swimming for nine minutes, nine minutes of flailing and screaming, Nick, Nick, I took another break. Floating there and looking at the sky above me and realizing that if I don't keep going, no one is going to see me laying here. 
No one's going to see my head just above water. And I looked to the sky and I simply called out that great name. I said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And all of a sudden, I got strength. And even though tears were rolling down my face and I was scared, I wiped those tears off. I was able to keep swimming again and fighting. And I'm not just screaming Nick anymore. I'm shouting, Jesus, Jesus, I won't make it through this if you don't find me where I'm at. We have many miracles in this church that wouldn't be here if we didn't call on the name of Jesus. So here I am because I was desperate. Desperation is not a bad thing. All throughout the Bible, there are instances where people were desperate and God came in and changed their situation. So finally, I can hear a noise. And through my blurry vision, I see the lifeguard on a jet ski. He pulls me up, and the first thing he does is hand me what I had forgotten, a life jacket. We need to be desperate for our life jacket tonight, church. We need to be desperate. Joe, are you a piano player that's desperate? Meaning that every time you play those keys, desperation pours out. Caleb, are you going to be a drummer that's desperate? Meaning that every time you hit that snare drum, desperation pours out. Are you going to be singers that are desperate? Meaning every time that you open your mouth, desperation is going to pour out. Church, are you going to be a body today that's desperate? A church that comes to this altar and is desperate. Desperation pours out at this altar. Jesus said it himself. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There is no other way. Church, I don't know what you're going through. Your struggle is no less important than the person next to you. But you need to get desperate. You need to say, I know the truth, God. No matter what I'm going through, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to trust that you are my life. You are my truth. Church, it's time that we get desperate in your hearts and in your minds. And it's time for you to come up and call out, Jesus! Jesus! I'm desperate. Is there anyone that's willing tonight that's going through something to get desperate enough to come and claim your victory here tonight. Thank you, church. Thank you.